Weekly Signals, every Tuesday morning from 8 to 9 a.m. Join me, Mike Casper, and Nathan Callahan for the best in reality-based radio. That's Weekly Signals. Check out the website at weeklysignals.com. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good evening. You're listening to KUCI at 88.9 FM in Irvine and online at KUCI.org. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity and From Victim to Victor, a step-by-step guide for ending the nightmare of identity theft. She sits as an advisor to the State of California Office of Privacy Protection, and she's a sheriff reserve here in Orange County. She's testified many times in Congress and the California legislature on privacy and identity theft issues, and you may have seen her on TV on Dateline, 48 Hours, NBC, ABC, CNN, O'Reilly, Geraldo, Montel, a lot of other shows. And uh, she did her own 90-minute PBS special last year called Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. Good evening, Mari. Good evening. Well, let me tell you, we have a great guest tonight. Many people use eBay and don't know what they're doing. And many people would like to use eBay and are scared to death. And I'm one of those. I've used a little bit. But we have a fabulous guest tonight who is an expert on eBay. Let me tell you a little bit about Michael Ford. He is a seven-time author, including his two new books, which are Don't Bid on It Until I Tell You How eBay Really Works. That was in 2007. And you can go to don'tbidonit.com. And the book that I just read called Scams and Scoundrels, Protect Yourself from the Dark Side of eBay and PayPal, and that was 2007. Michael Ford began his eBay career in 1998 and first became an eBay power seller in 2001. His software business has expanded well beyond eBay, but he still enjoys buying and selling on eBay as a collector of antique arcade games. Michael has authored a number of books on antique arcade games, game restoration, and computer security, as well as eBay books. He's a regular contributor to collector magazines, and he's a well-known business writer. Michael has been an entrepreneur, and eBay has helped him to develop those independent business drives into several full-fledged commercial ventures. Michael is also known for telling it like it is, and he has a no-nonsense approach to business and writing. I can tell you honestly from reading the book myself, it is really easy to read, lots of head notes. I can go to what I'm most interested in and what I'm most scared about and follow through on it. So you can look at our website at www.kuci.org slash privacypiracy to know more about him. And also, you can also go to his website auctioninquisitor.com and he's got don'tbidonit.com and I think he has scamsandscoundrels.com am I correct Michael? That is correct. And we're so glad that you joined us. Thank you so much. How did you get to be such an expert on eBay? Well, Originally I started eBay in 1998 
and I began using it just as normal people use it. I bought a few items, and after a few purchases, I sent a payment for a laser printer, and I never received the printer. And I, I was just basically scammed out of the money. Uh-huh. I didn't use eBay there for a while, which is what most people do. It's a very common pattern. And then I went back to eBay, and I started buying again. I gained some more confidence. And eventually I was scammed again, but uh, I started to learn a little bit more after that. I learned what to do. The first time I didn't do anything. And that was a mistake because there were options available to me. I just didn't know what they were. And I think a lot of people don't, and I think that's why they're afraid of them. Uh, it is. Many people join eBay. It's really too easy to join eBay because all you have to do is fill out the joining form, and you can immediately start buying and selling. It's really too easy because anyone can do it, and they can do it without understanding how the system works or how to trade safely. And you really need to know more than uh, just how to sign up in order to use it properly. Right, right. So how much fraud does occur on eBay? What do you think? Well, eBay themselves have estimated their own fraud rate to be between 0.1% and 0.01%. But based on my own research, I would say it's closer to one-half of 1%. Now, it doesn't sound like much, but there are 9 million items listed on eBay at any given time. That means there's about 45,000 fraudulent listings on eBay right now. Right, and I think that's what scares people, that they don't realize that most of the people can can get their products and everybody is honest and delivers and pays, and then those are those bad guys that ruin it for everybody. And, of course, the bad guys to go where the money is, right? Yeah, that's right. They, they go for the higher profit items most of the time. But there's also bad sellers on eBay, people who simply don't know what they're doing or they're uh, a little bit dishonest and they're trying to take advantage of someone just to make 20 or $50. So you have to watch out for those people, too. Why don't you tell us, let's step back a little bit. For those of listeners of mine who really haven't used e- eBay, why don't you tell us how it really works? Well, uh, the best comparison for eBay is to say it's like a flea market on the Internet. Now, in your hometown, you may go to the local fairgrounds and attend a flea market, and there you walk from table to table. And if you see something you like, you pay for it. But on eBay, it's much easier because you can just do a search for a keyword, and you can find everyone who has anything close to what you, you're interested in. And will, some of them are available for uh, buy-it-now prices, so you can just pay a fixed price. And some of them are available as an auction, so you can make an offer. Uh, for instance, someone has a teddy bear for sale, a collector teddy bear, and you like it, you might offer $20. If no one else offers more than that, then you'll win at the end of the seven-day auction. I know what I did is I was looking for Adobe 1.5, and I couldn't get it you know, anywhere on the Internet to buy because they were using Adobe 2.0 to, you know, to edit my shows. So I, I actually had my computer consultant help me, and we went on eBay, and we found it, and we bought it. And what I didn't want to lose it, so I think we just offered a higher payment and then got it right away. So that was another way to do it because I didn't want to go through a whole auction. I, I just wanted to say, okay, I'm going to give you this price, take it or leave it, and he took it. That, that kind of worked. It worked really well, and I did get what I had asked for. So I wasn't scammed, and but it was it was a little bit scary. Purchasing software on eBay can be risky because a lot of the software sold is pirated software, but it's also a great place to find software just like you did. If you're looking for an older version or you're looking for something that's maybe no longer commercially available, the company is out of business, then it's a great place to find those types of items. When we have all this fraud, and I'm sure eBay and PayPal know about it, why does eBay just not stop the fraud uh, auctions? Do they? How could they do that? Would they be able to do that? that that's almost impossible. They, ha- they have so many auctions listed and so many new auctions listed every minute. 
it's impossible for even a, a team of people to go through it and identify the fraudulent auctions because many of them don't look like fraudulent auctions and many of them don't violate eBay rules even if they are fraudulent because no one knows they're fraud until it's too late. And there are methods that you can use to identify scam auctions, but you have to know what those are and eBay is not going to use those to cancel an auction. For example, eBay allows people to request Western Union payments for auctions. But I'd say that anyone who asks for a Western Union payment for an auction is a scammer and you should avoid them because Western Union is a favorite payment method used by scammers because there's no buyer protection. Once you send the money, it's gone. Right. So even though if someone, offer, if someone demands payment by a Western Union in an auction, that's an auction you should avoid. But that's not necessarily an auction that eBay is going to cancel. So it's really buyer beware. You have to keep your eyes open and you can't trust eBay to take out the fraudulent auctions. Right. They, they, you can report obvious frauds, and you can report rule violations, and they will cancel the auction. How do you report it? You just write them an email? Uh, if you go to the very bottom of the auction page for any auction, there's a link that says, Report This Auction. You click on that link, you select the reason, and then you select uh, a link that says Email uh, Support, and it will go to eBay. Someone will take a look at it. It might not be right away. It might be 24 hours, but eventually someone will check the auction, and if it's violating any eBay rules then they will cancel it. If it's not violating any eBay rules, then they won't cancel it. And, of course, that's a problem because it, you can identify many fraudulent auctions that are clearly scams but don't necessarily violate any rules. So how can someone tell if an auction is really legitimate? Well, you have to look a little bit deeper than just the feedback rating. Many people look at the person's feedback rating, and if someone has 100% positive feedback, they assume that that's an honest person that they can deal with. Now, you have but, to go back and explain about the feedback and how that works because people who are listening who might want to try using eBay but haven't, they really don't understand the whole issue of feedback. So why don't you go and explain that first? Right. Well, when you have a transaction with someone, that person can leave you feedback, and actually the seller and the buyer can leave feedback for each other. And if a seller sells a lot of items and the all their items uh, reach the person that they were supposed to go to and they're good items, then those buyers will leave positive feedback on the website for the seller. So now, do as, they have to do that? Is that something that's required? Or? It's not required. It's optional. But most people well, m most people don't bother to do it, but of those who do, uh, you can use that to track how good a seller is. But you can't rely on just that number. And that's the problem. Many people will look at just the number of positive feedback someone's received and assume that if they've received a bunch of positive feedbacks, then they must be legitimate. But that's not always the case because a scam seller can set up 100 fake accounts, use all those accounts to leave feedback for every other account, and now they have 100 accounts with 100 positive feedback ratings each, but it's all fake. Right, so even even the feedback is fake, is what you're saying. Right. Yeah, but so that to, isn't how you, you're not going to depend on that feedback. So what are you going to depend on? Well, you, you have to look deeper than just the feedback number. Uh, for instance, the, the auction you mentioned the auctioninquisitor.com website. I have a free piece of software there called the Auction Inquisitor Auction Analysis Software, and it will check a person's feedback, and it will identify that type of an account. If someone set up... 100 accounts at the same time and they use them to share feedback, then this software will warn you not to do business with that person. And that's so, free at your website? Uh, yes, that, that is free software. Okay, so that's at auctioninquisitor.com, and that's free software to help you to determine if the feedback is real? Right. 
Wow, that's terrific. And that's a great tool because even for myself, I use it because it's hard to look through all those feedback readings and see when they were created. And uh, it, it, it makes it really simple, though. But that's what you want to do. You want to check their feedback. And what you're really looking for is uh, anything unusual. Uh, for instance, if this person has 20 different feedback readings and they all sound the same, they're all in broken English, or they're all in all capital letters, now, those are warning signs. It looks like the same person left the same feedback over and over on that account. And you also want to compare their older auctions. There, there's something called phishing emails that go out. probably receive some of these. It says your eBay account has been suspended or your PayPal account needs to be updated. And it's not a real email. It just looks like a real email from eBay or PayPal. And when you click on a link in this email, it takes you to a fake website that looks like eBay or PayPal. And then when you type in your username and password on this fake site, it goes to a scammer. And that scammer will then log into your eBay or PayPal account, and they will post fake auctions on eBay or transfer money out through PayPal. Wow. So you have to uh, watch out for those types of accounts. Those are called hijacked accounts. And an easy, easy way to identify those is to look at the person's past auctions. If a person has a history of selling $20 collector stamps, and then suddenly in the past week, They've posted seven auctions for expensive vehicles. Well, that's a clear sign of a hijacked account because no one suddenly switches from selling $20 stamps to $10,000 vehicles. So right. a scammer has taken over this person's account by stealing their username and password using one of these phishing emails, and now they've logged in and they've posted a bunch of fake auctions using this person's good feedback. So, Michael, you can go in and see what this seller has sold before. You, ha- you can see a whole list of what they've sold before. Yes, and an easy way to do that is just to look at the feedback because under the feedback it also lists the items they've sold before or bought and sold before that they've received feedback for. But you can also look under the advanced search page and it will let you find all the items they've bought and sold even if they haven't received feedback. Uh Uh-huh. So you just search by the person's name and it will show all the things that he bought or sold? By their eBay ID, yes. Oh, Now, does the eBay ID also have a real name there, or is it just an ID number? Are you really, I mean, do you get to know who the person is, or do you just know by the number? Uh, You only have their their login ID. You don't really have their real name unless you complete a transaction with them. And when you complete a transaction with someone, then you have their uh, name and address. Of course, you need that if you're going to send a payment by mail, and if you're the seller, you, of course, need that to ship the goods. Right. Okay. All right. So you're anonymous at first, and and so you, the listing of what you buy and sell is really rather anonymous. It's just your user ID, right? Right. So, so your your privacy ID. is protected. Whether you're buying, like, if I want to buy all these expensive watches, which I don't, but if I did, then people wouldn't know who is buying all that. They would just know that this user ID with zero 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 is buying all these watches, right? And they could look that up and see if they want to buy. They want to sell them a watch or something like that? Yes, that's uh, exactly how it works. You're talking more about the scam checklist for buyers. Let's let's look at some more of those. I know you have a great quick reference in in the front of your book, and the name of your book is Scams and Scoundrels, Protect Yourself from the Dark Side of eBay. But you have a great quick reference here for buyers. So let's go through some more of those. Those are great for people who are listening. Okay. Uh, well, one of those is uh, beware of sellers with only buying feedback or a zero feedback history. Uh, n- no one on eBay should be selling anything if they have zero feedback. 
The problem is it, they have no experience on eBay. It's normal for someone to join eBay, make a few purchases, build some feedback, and then once they're comfortable, they, once they know how the system works, that's when they start to sell. I when you see. see someone with a zero feedback rating trying to sell anything, it usually means that either it's a scammer who set up a new account or it's someone who's had their account disabled for possibly fraud or some other rule violation reason. So that's not someone you want to deal with. And even if neither of those apply and it is a legitimate seller, you probably don't want to deal with them either because they're very inexperienced. And when you deal with someone that doesn't know how the system works, you're most likely going to run into problems. You may send them an electronic payment by PayPal, and they may not realize they've received the payment, or they may not understand that they actually have the money, so they may not ship the goods. I so see. So it's best to avoid anyone who has zero feedback ratings. So it looks like if you're going to do um, if you're going to do buying and selling on eBay, you better read your books, <laughs> or you better at least have a mentor to walk you through how to do all this, because it sounds like it's uh, a little bit complex. Um, so you were talking more about the buyer. What else do you need to be aware of? Well, you, you want to look out for any unusual payment terms. For instance, uh, the normal methods for payment on eBay are PayPal and sometimes uh, check or money order, but I, I don't recommend using either of those because if you're a, a seller, then check and money order are easily forged. And if you're a buyer, then once you send the money by check or money order, you have no buyer protection. So if you don't receive the goods, you can't get your money back. Right. That's why you should only pay using, uh, I suggest, a virtual credit card number or PayPal because those give you buyer protection. But especially we want to watch out for buyers or for sellers who demand unusual terms like Western Union, bank transfer. or, or Yeah, like a wire transfer or even yeah. a cashier's check. Even yeah. a cashier's check because you have no buyer protection. Exactly. And many of these people are selling things in the uh, vehicles group because that's where the money is. Of course, scammers go where the big money is, and the big money's in vehicles. Many people, they need a new car, and if they think they can save $3,000 by buying it on eBay, that's what they'll do. And these scammers will post vehicles at below uh, market price on eBay, and they will say, okay, uh, all you have to do is send us Western Union for $1,500, and we'll hold the car for you. Of course, once you send that Western Union for $1,500, you never hear from the company again. Right. And that's all they were really after, just to collect that $1,500. Let's talk about the protections um, that you have with PayPal, because this is a good time when we're talking about being a buyer. And um, so what are some of the protections that you have with PayPal? Well, PayPal, they do have a buyer protection policy. It's very important that everyone read the terms and agreement, uh, the terms that uh, are on their PayPal account. I see a big problem with this because... Many people join PayPal and they assume they have 100% protection 100% of the time, and they don't. And they don't read their terms until it's too late. That's why it's very important to read the terms first so that you'll know what, how you're protected and what the protection covers. And that also applies to sellers, because I've seen many sellers ship items to Italy, and then uh, the person in Italy files a chargeback request through PayPal saying they didn't receive the item. And even though they can prove they did receive it, it doesn't matter because PayPal will side with the buyer because it was an outside-of-the-USA transaction. Oh. So outside-of-the-USA transactions aren't covered, and if you don't know that, that's going to cause you some problems. Uh -huh. But, yes, PayPal does have some uh, buyer protection, generally up to $2,000, but it really varies because of their rules. And if you're purchasing through eBay, though, it will show you what your coverage amount is on the eBay auction itself. So you'll know in advance how much protection you have. 
So you should, when you send something, if you're a seller, when you said something, I know you said always send it, return receipt requested, so you've got that receipt. So is that one of the rules as well? Uh, well, it's actually a uh, tracking number. The tracking number is what's important. You, you want, If you're a seller, you always want to ship with a tracking number or a delivery uh, confirmation number because if the seller, if the buyer says they didn't receive it, then you can check that number and you can see whether or not they actually did receive it. And if the buyer files a false complaint with PayPal claiming they didn't receive what they paid for, then you can provide that proof that showing that they did actually receive it. And then the problem goes away and PayPal will cancel their complaint. Right. But if you don't have that number, then a buyer can file a false complaint and you'll lose your money. So, so Again, that's so, why it's important to read the rules. Right. So if you pay PayPal, PayPal acts almost like an escrow officer. Is that like what it is? In other words... They don't pay the seller doesn't get paid until the buyer receives the product. No, no, no. no. PayPal is not an escrow service. PayPal is a payment service. Uh, when you send pay- a payment to someone on PayPal, that money is transferred immediately. Uh, but it's also in their PayPal account unless they transfer it out. It's not an escrow service, and you don't approve the payment later. But you can, if you don't receive what you paid for, you can file a PayPal complaint, and if PayPal will attempt to freeze the money in that person's account. If you're dealing with an honest person, then that's generally not a problem. If you're dealing with a scammer and you can file that complaint before they transfer the money out, then you can probably get it back. Well, let's talk about the protections with the credit card. I know when I purchased on PayPal to to get my software, uh, I paid with a credit card, and I would never use PayPal except with a credit card because I feel safer that I'm protected by federal law. I know you had some concerns about that in your book. Why don't you talk about the use of a credit card with PayPal? Well, when you're paying PayPal with a credit card, what you're actually doing is you're telling PayPal, take uh, here, here's uh, some money that I want to deposit in my PayPal account. And that, that's really what many people mistakenly think is that if they pay PayPal with a credit card, then they have extra buyer protection. But if you're scammed because you send someone a PayPal payment and you don't receive the goods, you should go through PayPal to recover your money through PayPal. If you're filing a charge against your credit card, then it's my belief that that's a fraudulent charge because that's a fraudulent chargeback because PayPal didn't commit any fraud. So you're you're making a transaction with PayPal. PayPal's honoring their agreement by transferring the money to your PayPal account. Whatever you do with it after that, well, that's really up to you. And if you're scammed because you transfer the money after that. Well, that, that's a different situation that has nothing to do with the credit card transaction. It's kind yeah. of complicated, but right. I try to explain it in the book. Yeah, and I did I did understand that, and I guess from a legal point of view, at least as a lawyer, I could see what you were saying, that it, what you, that PayPal, uh, you know, you, you made that agreement with PayPal, and then it's yeah. not fair to PayPal. However, I thought, of, I thought you could do this if you didn't get your product, then you would first go to PayPal, but also tell your credit card company, to suspend that payment until you resolved it with PayPal, because PayPal then could make the determination that it, that you didn't get it. You know, you said, "Hey, I didn't get this product. Here's my uh, tracking number." I know. Ne- I mean, here they they can't provide a tracking number. They never can uh, prove that I got it and I didn't get it. So I don't want to pay it. Then PayPal could cancel. And then if you did. Uh, suspend your credit card payment, then you wouldn't have a problem. I mean, does that make sense to you? Uh, I understand what you're saying, but uh, that's that's not my way of thinking about it, though. I guess you'd first have to go to PayPal, though, 
and, and uh, definitely you can definitely first go to PayPal, and it, PayPal will attempt to recover the money if it's in the other person's account. If the other person's already transferred it out of their account to their bank account, or they've uh, even if they've sent it to another uh, person on eBay or on PayPal, they they may reverse that transaction to put the money back in the scammer's account so that you can recover it. But if the money's been transferred out to their bank account, uh, they may not be able to recover it. Right. That's why I said I think I would do both. I think I'd go to PayPal, and I think I'd go to my credit card company, too, because you could always release the hold from your credit card company. And yeah, that was when that you make that transaction with PayPal, when you tell PayPal, here's my credit card number, uh, charge this amount, and put it, <coughs> sorry, and put it in my PayPal account, you're agreeing not to file a chargeback. That's part of the oh, I see. Uh, terms. Okay. You, you know, there's some terms there that you agree to when you make that transaction. I see. You're, you're agreeing not to do that. I see. I see. Well, I haven't done it enough, so that's good to know. Yeah. I just want to in- introduce you again. We're speaking with Michael Ford, the author of Scams and Scoundrels, Protect Yourself from the Dark Side of eBay. And he's also the author of Don't Bid on It Until I Tell You How eBay Really Works. So, Michael, you're our great expert to tell us how this works. I'm probably a really good one to talk to since I've only used it once and I'm scared. So anyone who's listening to this who hasn't used it will be, I think, reassured that they can know ahead of time that there are some protections, there's things that they can do. So let's go back to talking more about buyers because that's what you should do first, right? Before you start selling, you should buy a couple times, right? That's what you suggested? Uh, absolutely. You, you need to gain experience on eBay and learn how the system works. That Many scammers will take advantage of people who are new to eBay and don't know how it works. For instance, uh, a dishonest seller may uh, sell an item on eBay and then they will tell the person, go to this specific website to make payment. Of course, when the person goes to that website, it's a fake website set up by the scammer, and that person then enters their credit card number, possibly their bank account number or other information, and it all goes to the scammer. And the problem is it's a fake payment service because this person didn't know how the system works. They didn't know that PayPal was the preferred system to use, and they let this other uh, dishonest seller talk them into going to uh, an unknown payment service. Right. You have to be careful about that, especially escrow companies. The vast majority of escrow companies on the Internet whether they're connected to eBay or not, uh, eBay sales or not, are fraudulent companies. So you want to be very careful about dealing with any type of an escrow company other than escrow.com, which is eBay's own escrow company. Oh, okay. So you can go to an escrow company. So you have a choice of PayPal or escrow.com, is that right, to make your payments? Uh, Yes, you you can use eBay's escrow company, escrow.com. Uh, generally, sellers aren't going to bother with it, though, especially if it's for a small amount. If it's for uh, something more expensive like a vehicle, then you might be able to uh, talk a seller into using it. But uh, m- most sellers aren't going to bother, especially for smaller items worth less than a few hundred dollars. It's just not worth the trouble of dealing with because they can sell to someone else, and it's more it's easier than fooling with uh, setting up an account and escrowing the money and dealing with all that. Does it cost more to deal with escrow? Uh, that uh, with um, the escrow account for eBay than it does for PayPal? Is there a cost involved that's different? Uh, there is. A, a, I believe it's a slightly higher cost. It's a percentage, a flat fee plus a percentage of the value. Uh, I, I don't know exactly what the number is because I, I don't use it myself. It is a little bit more expensive than PayPal. But, of course, PayPal is not an escrow company either. Right, right. So, as well, the escrow company that's with pay, um, with eBay they will hold the money until the other person receives the product. Is that right? That's how it's different? 
Right. Escrow.com allows you to pay you as the buyer to pay them, and then they hold the money. When you receive the goods, then you tell them you received it and everything's okay, and they release the money to the seller. Right. Of course, that's why it's a very good scam for someone to set up a fake escrow company because they can then trick the person into sending them a Western Union or making a bank transfer to their account, and then the person never receives the goods and they never hear from the escrow company again. Right. So, Michael, what do you think if something is over $1,000 or what what price do you think it should be that you would use the escrow.com as opposed to the PayPal? It really depends on the item you're purchasing and the person you're dealing with. I've purchased items on eBay worth $2,000 and more, and I've never used escrow.com because I've I've checked out the seller, I looked at their feedback, I looked at their history, and I made sure that I knew who I was dealing with before I sent the money. And I also made sure that I paid with PayPal so that I would have at least some buyer protection. Right. But it it just depends on your level of confidence in the seller and uh, the item you're purchasing, especially if you're getting something like a laptop. Uh, Laptops are very high-fraud items. You might be more inclined to uh, use escrow if you're purchasing a $700 or $1,000 laptop than you would if you were purchasing a $700 antique figurine, possibly. I see, I see. What about the, the seller who sends something that is fraudulent, okay? You think you're getting a Rolex watch and you're really getting something that was out of China. And, yeah, you got the watch, but it, was, it wasn't what they said it was. Yeah, How does that uh, pay- work? Yeah, PayPal calls that, and eBay also calls that significantly not as described. So that's also very common on eBay, uh, Tiffany jewelry. The vast majority of Tiffany uh, items on eBay are fraudulent. Uh, The vast majority of Gucci items on eBay are also uh, counterfeit. So you really have to be careful about that. And many people don't know when they've been scammed, especially when it comes to jewelry. Uh, Some people don't know the difference between uh, real Tiffany and counterfeit Tiffany. Some people can't even tell the difference between uh, gold-painted and gold-plated and solid gold. So they may think they're buying a solid gold necklace when in fact they're actually getting a plated necklace they paid a premium amount for that necklace thinking that they were getting a bargain right oh goodness it it is scary because you really you know you've got those fraudsters out there you talk about beware of any seller that has any bad grammar or postal capitals or has spelling errors what does that tell you about that person well uh, on the internet posting in all capitals is the same as shouting and it's considered extremely rude and inappropriate. So if you see someone posting in all capitals in an auction, it means that either they have very little or no Internet experience, which makes it a problem to deal with, or they're a scammer who's doing that on purpose, trying to get your attention. So you want to avoid both of those, because when you purchase from someone who posts in all capitals, you are ten times more likely to have some type of a problem with that purchase. It may be that the person didn't describe the item accurately, they may not pack it well because they have no packing experience on eBay. They may um, simply receive the payment and not understand what to do with it, so they don't ship your item. But you're, you're always, almost always going to have some type of a problem when you purchase from someone who posts in all capitals because they simply don't understand how the Internet works. They don't understand the etiquette of posting auctions or anything else. Otherwise, they would not do that. And for bad grammar, uh, it, it, there's kind of a crossover there. And someone who has extremely bad grammar is very unlikely that they're going to be able to communicate effectively with you. So if you have a problem with the item, if uh, you have questions about the item, they may not be able to understand your questions or to answer them properly. And also, 
the biggest problem with uh, grammar is it's a sign of scammers in other countries. Many mm-hmm. people in uh, Romania, Indonesia, Russia, and the Philippines, those are common fraud centers, and those are also countries where they don't speak English natively. So when those people post fake auctions on eBay, you can often identify them by the very bad grammar that they use. Of course, none of us have perfect grammar, but what you're looking for is auctions that have extremely bad grammar, uh, an unusual usage of words, an unusual combination, something that any third or fourth grader could identify as bad. Right. What percentage of eBay users do you think are are people from outside our country? Do you think it's a huge percent? Uh, I can't remember the exact numbers right now, but it it is a very large percentage. I I would say 30% of their users are outside the USA. That's that's a large amount of users. So, and and I wonder what percentage of those are the fraudsters. A good number, because it's a big money business for them. But many of most of the outside of the U.S. most of the people outside the U.S. are in Europe, Australia, and other English-speaking countries too. Right. I deal with a lot of people in other countries as well. I haven't had really any trouble with them. So there's not a problem with dealing with people in other countries. There's just a problem dealing with people in certain countries. So if you purchase an item on eBay and then the person asks you to send a Western Union payment to Romania or Indonesia Philippines, then you know that there's something wrong with that. So you should never deal with anyone in any of those countries because those are known problem countries. Right. So, Michael, you were saying before that PayPal um, won't accept, you know, if you they won't uh, protect you if you're sending to someone outside the United States. So how do you protect yourself when you're sending to someone in Australia or Canada? As a seller, you also want to check out the buyer's feedback. and You want to see if they have a history of uh, filing complaints or filing false complaints. eBay's changed their rules so that sellers can no longer leave negative or neutral feedback for buyers, but you can still leave positive feedback with a negative comment. So you want to look at this person's past feedback and look at the comments that are actually left what uh, they've purchased and if the seller has uh, any complaints about them. And, of course, you can also check on the uh, auctionsafety.org website and see if any complaints have been filed there about the person. You're looking for uh, anyone that has a history of filing false complaints or uh, filing false chargebacks. Uh, Most of the time, you'll be able to tell from their feedback on eBay if they're an honest buyer, and you you just use that. So what kind of control is there on the feedback? What kinds of things will people say? Well, it's supposed to be limited to the facts. Uh, you might leave a feedback comment that says, uh, received item quickly, just as described, uh, great seller. And that type, that would, of course, be a positive comment. And you may also look at another seller's uh, account, say, uh, received item three weeks late, uh, no communication from seller, will not do business again. So those, those are examples of positive and negative comments. And, of course, they tell you a lot about the uh, per- person, but you can also learn a lot about the person who le- left the comment. Uh, if someone leaves a nonsense comment or a one-word comment, even if it's a negative comment, I usually ignore it because that really tells you more about the person leaving the comment, and it doesn't really uh, indicate that there's a problem with the seller. So you have to use some judgment when you're reading feedback. And does the feedback, does that have a user ID so you know who it is? Like you can say, oh, that's ID number or whatever, and you can see that how that person, if they give negative feedback for everybody, can you do a search to see? Uh, yes. Well, 
when, when you look at a seller's feedback, if they have a negative feedback from a buyer, from a recent buyer, and it just says bad, you know, that, that, that would not be a very good comment because it doesn't explain why they're bad or what happened. Uh, but you can click on that person's user ID because it's shown in the uh, listing of the seller's past sales. And you can then click on their, uh, their feedback rating and see the feedback they've left for others and the feedback they've received. And you're looking for anyone that has a history of leaving negative feedback. Normally, a buyer should not have a history of negative feedback. In my 10 years on eBay, I've probably left negative feedback four or five times, and I'm fairly active on eBay. So if anyone has a uh, has left uh, negative feedback three or four times in the past month, well, then they're they're making a habit of it, and there's a problem with that person. And so I wouldn't say the seller was the problem; it's the buyer in that case. Right. Of course, you can't leave negative feedback anymore, but you're looking for negative comments uh, under a positive rating now. Now, many sellers offer self-insurance. What is that, and is that legal? And, yeah, that's uh, self-insurance. You, you, you would probably be more qualified to comment on that than I am, but self-insurance is where the seller offers uh, you to let you pay an extra $2 for insurance, but then the seller doesn't purchase insurance when they ship uh, the item, and if you if the item is lost, then the seller just pays for the just pays you back your money. That's called self insurance. But self insurance is not legal because you have to be licensed by the state to issue insurance. So mm-hmm. many sellers will do this. They will collect two dollars, an extra dollar, two dollars from everyone they ship to, and their reasoning is pretty good. It makes sense that you collect two dollars from everyone, and if someone loses a twenty dollar or fifty dollar package, you just send them a refund. And in the end, you you come out ahead. But uh, that's just simply not legal in the state, and you have to have an insurance license to do that. So when you collect insurance money on eBay, then you are legally required to buy insurance from your carrier. So if you ship by FedEx or the post office, you have to buy insurance from them. Oh, yeah, because I I would think that that would be fair if you would say, look, this is an expensive item, and I'm going to pay extra for FedEx to have extra insurance or UPS, right? That, right. Yeah, so that, that seemed fair, so I wasn't quite sure. So that isn't really self-insured. That's insuring the, the package itself for the value of the no, product. That's, it, that's considered self-insurance because the seller is self-insuring the item. They're not Oh, that he himself is saying, I will pay you. Yes. Yes. Oh, instead of saying, hey, if it comes broken, like if you're selling glass figurine and it comes broken and it's been insured, you go back to FedEx if FedEx was the one that insured it, right? Right, right. Right, yeah, well, which but is a lot safer if, if they say, well, you're going to pay for shipping. So if if I'm the buyer and I'm going to pay for shipping, do I pay for shipping or does the seller pay for shipping, or is that negotiable? The, the seller pays for shipping normally. It, we're, we're getting into kind of complicated territory here, but when the seller pays for shipping and the seller turns the item over to the shipper, the seller is responsible for that item until it's in your hands. Now, if you as the buyer make shipping arrangements, which might happen if you have a, a large item, like a vehicle or something like that, then as soon as your shipper picks up the item, it's the buyer's responsibility. Okay, so that's negotiable then, depending uh, on the circumstance? 99% of the time on eBay, the seller is going to take care of shipping for you. Right. Uh, there are some uh, rare circumstances like if you're purchasing an arcade game, uh, then that that's one of those unusual areas where the buyer is generally responsible for shipping. But 99% of the time when you purchase on eBay, it's going to be the seller who takes care of shipping and pays for shipping. 
So I, as a buyer, can say, gee, I want to make sure, you know, you're going to get paid for this. I want to make sure it doesn't break. Do then, do I ask the seller to buy insurance when he's shipping, to buy UPS insurance, or what do I do? The, the buyer should never pay for insurance. Uh, when In the U.S., the FTC has passed a rule saying that when you pay for something, the seller is legally obligated to either deliver it or to give you a refund. And when the FTC passes a rule, that's pretty much the same as a law. So when you pay for something on eBay, that seller is legally obligated to deliver to you. It doesn't matter if you pay for insurance or not. Insurance benefits the seller, not the buyer. Right. So there's no reason for the buyer to pay for insurance. Right. But I was just worried about PayPal, um, and I guess this is is the nitty-gritty. So I buy something, and and I I paid through PayPal, and Mm -hmm. it was shipped to me, and it comes completely broken. Now what do I do? I go back to PayPal and say, look, I just spent $500 on this figurine, and it's smashed to bits. Here's a... Here's a picture of the box. Here's a picture of what it looked like when it came, and I don't want to pay for this. So what happens? Uh, that, that's exactly what you should do, and what you would do is go to PayPal, and you'd file a significantly not as described complaint, and they should then freeze the money in the seller's account, and then you could work it out with the seller. Uh, you could tell them that it was broken, and if the seller was doing their job, then they probably uh, insured it, or they should have insured it, and then the seller can... Uh, file for their insurance, and you'll get your money back through PayPal, and the seller gets their money back from the insurance. Okay. So That's how long work. how long is it before PayPal actually pays the seller? So that I I mean, if if I don't get the package for five days, and I paid it day you, one, then yeah. how how soon will it be before the the seller gets the money? When you make that purchase on eBay and you click the Pay Now button. Yes. And then you click uh, the PayPal button and approve your payment. It, it goes right to the seller immediately. It's in their PayPal account at, at that second. And they could take it out right then and there? Uh, if, if It is a possibility that they could transfer it out to their bank account, which would take one or two days usually. But uh, a legitimate seller is not going to do that. What does right. the legitimate seller do? Just leave it in their PayPal account for a few days? Yeah, legitimate seller, they're, they're going to either have enough money coming into their account so that there's always going to be a balance, positive balance in it, or they're, they're going to transfer it out whenever it builds up to above a certain amount. We're speaking with Michael Ford, who is the author of Scams and Scoundrels, Protect Yourself from the Dark Side of eBay. Let me ask you something. We're, we're talking about how to avoid getting scammed. Is there any rule with PayPal that you have to keep a certain amount in your PayPal account when you've sold items? Is there anything that says that you have to keep that in for a certain amount of time? Uh, currently, there is not. There has been some discussion about doing that. That would make and a I lot of sense to me, right? It, it does. I think they should do that. They, they've also tried enforcing PayPal-only payments. They tried that in Australia, but they got a lot of backlash from it. And that would also be a good idea because then uh, they could control, they would have some control over the payments. And if someone was scammed, then they could easily file a PayPal complaint. You know, no more money order scams, no more bounce check scams. Right. But, uh, yeah, you can't, uh, there's no hold in, on it right now. I think there should be. Yeah. Uh, they, they have talked about implementing uh, certain uh, restrictions. For instance, if uh, you have a low feedback rating or if you have a complaint, then they may old money for 30 days, and I think they should do something like that, but I don't believe they've 
instituted anything universal yet. Right. I mean, it seems to me that if they at least held it there until it showed that it wasn't a scam check, for example, if if you pay a fraudulent check to PayPal, PayPal may not know it for a few days, right? Because they put it into their bank account. And then, right? They they may not know that it's a fraudulent check or that it's a identity theft check, you know, somebody used my account to write yeah. check, they may not find that out for a couple of days, right? Yeah, that, that, that's right. If it's an identity theft check, then they, they well, you probably wouldn't know it for 30 days until your uh, bank statement comes in. Or if I'm looking online, on you know, if I'm looking online and saying, uh-oh, you know. Yeah. I mean, people use debit cards as well, so it might come right out of my account and then... That's a real mess when people use other people's identity. Do you do you know much about that? Have you learned much about that in your uh, in your ten years working with eBay about well, identity very often, theft? Yeah, very often eBay or PayPal rather will honor identity theft claims like that. If as long as they believe it's a legitimate claim, they may just eat the uh, expense and refund the money because uh, that, that's just in their interest to do it. Uh, most of the time, they will turn the money back. Of course, if you file a complaint, you say you didn't receive something and the seller's account's cleaned out and they've disappeared, you, you may not get the money back. But at their discretion, they may e- eat the expense and give you your money just out of their own pocket. And that has happened in a number of occasions. But, uh, of course, they can't make a habit of that because if they did, then scammers would take advantage of that. And a scammer would sell an item to another scammer and that scammer would say, I never received it and give me my money back. Of course, there was no money uh, actually, no product actually there. So the first scammer got the uh, payment, and the second scammer gets a refund. It's kind of a difficult situation for PayPal. Right. You know, in all the 10 years that you've been doing this, you said your first couple purchases you were scammed or the first couple uh, transactions you were scammed. How about in the last 10 years? Uh, have you had many experiences uh, like that? In the past few years, I really haven't had any major problems. Uh, mostly because I, I've learned how to identify fraudulent auctions. Uh, I know what to look for in the auction itself that are warning signs. I pay by PayPal. Uh, I have had a couple of instances where I've paid for an item and I haven't received it. And, of course, I've filed for PayPal reversal. The seller couldn't prove delivery, so I got my money back. And right. I, it, it should go just that easy most of the time. But uh, now that I know how to avoid scam auctions and uh, I can look through a seller's feedback and identify problem sellers, and I know which ones to avoid and who to deal with. It makes it a lot easier and a lot more enjoyable experience. So I use eBay all the time. I can use it safely, so I have a lot of confidence in it. So tell me, should I be afraid to do business on eBay, knowing that I'm I'm such a rookie here? (laughs) More than 99% of the people on eBay are honest people who are simply interested in making a transaction. And you can take a chance and just buy and sell, and you're going to come out okay most of the time, but it really pays to have a little bit more education so that you can be prepared for that once-in-a-while uh, bad experience. Yeah. You want to just gain a little bit more experience. You want to be able to identify anything. You're especially looking for anything unusual. You know, if you sell something to someone and they send you a long list of instructions uh, of what they want you to do, you know that's a warning sign. It's unusual. Normal transactions should have a nice, clean uh, loop to it. You find the item you want. You pay, make your uh, purchase through eBay. You send your payment by PayPal. In 10 days, you should receive the item. And anything outside of that loop, anyone who wants you to 
send a payment by an unusual means, anyone who wants you to follow unusual instructions, anyone who wants you to follow or to fill out uh, unusual forms or to download a program, those are all warning signs. You just have to know some basics like that to trade safely. So, Michael, we've been talking a lot about buyers, and you explained that it's a good idea when you're going to start using eBay to first start out using being a buyer. But let's say, you know, you want to have, instead of having a garage sale with people coming to your house, you and you're getting ready to move, you want to take your better products or better things that you have in your house, and you want to sell them on eBay. What am I going to do as a seller? Do I need to take pictures, or what, what exactly do I need to do if I want to be a seller? Oh, absolutely. You do want to describe and take photos, and eBay is also a great place to sell things. You'll most likely get more money than you will from a yard sale, especially if it's a small item that can be shipped. Because, uh, for example, if you have, a, you might have a toy robot that you're selling at a yard sale. Well, you might only get fifty cents or a dollar for it at your yard sale, but if you sell it online, you may be able to attract a collector who might be willing to pay twenty or a hundred dollars for it. So it's generally better to sell any item of value on eBay because you have a much larger audience and you have uh, more collectors looking for unusual items. So, Frank, I'll give you a good example. Uh, recently, I lost my garage door opener, and my garage door is uh, an old model. Well, I didn't know anywhere to purchase one, and the company didn't sell them anymore, so I went to eBay. Well, that was a garage door opener that someone would have either thrown away or sold at a yard sale for 50 cents, but they sold it to me for $5. Well, they made $5, and they helped me out. And you were so glad it, to have it. I sure was. It, it helped me out a lot because uh, I wouldn't have been able to open my garage without it. Exactly. So it, it, it's great to be a seller on eBay, and you can always sell something. And you have a nice audience, so you can make some money, too. And so yes, how do you know how much, yeah, how much do you know, I mean, how do you know how much to charge for something? Do you go and look for something similar and see what they're charging and see and to, to be in the ballgame? Yeah, you, you want to look at uh, closed auctions on eBay. And, of course, through the advanced uh, search feature, you can find closed auctions for similar items, and you'll see what they sold for in the past. And you can set a fixed price, or you can set an auction price, and then you just set a reasonable minimum opening amount and then let other people bid. So if you have, a, for instance, if you had that a toy robot and you don't know what it's worth, you might start bidding at $5 and then let other people who are interested in it bid, and the next person might come along and bid $20. Another person may say, oh, I'll pay $25 for it, and you know, it can go on up until it reaches its true market value. Right. So you, you, that, that's the nice thing about auctions. You can sell things without knowing their price, and you let the buyers determine how much they're willing to pay. Exactly. So what about scams in that auctioning? Do you sometimes have competitors who might you know, try and mess you up? I think I read something like that in your book. Uh, yes, uh, there are a number of scams that affect sellers. Uh, many people think that the only scam is not receiving what you paid for, but there's actually a large, large number of scams that affect sellers as well, and that is one of them. Uh, a competitor may uh, buy an item from you and then file a post a false feedback saying that they didn't receive it even though they did. And that, that's a hard one to protect yourself against, but it's also very uncommon because if the person figures out who that uh, seller was, that they can do the same thing back. That's not a very common one. Some of the more common ones are uh, to sell to a buyer who then sends you a long list of unusual instructions. For example, you might sell to a, a buyer, and they say that they're in uh, Maryland, but they want you to ship to their sister in Nigeria, and they want you to uh, put your address or put their address as the return address and the ship to address, and they want you to put a note in it saying it's a gift, and they want you, you get the idea. Yeah. It's just a long list of pointless instructions, 
And what this person is trying to do is they're trying to scam the seller. They're going to send a fake payment or they're going to file a false reversal and they want this item shipped to uh, Nigeria or some other country or maybe even some other state. And uh, they're just trying a trick to make this person do that. So any type of unusual instructions uh, should be avoided. That's uh, always a warning sign. You should, if, especially if someone pays by PayPal, PayPal will send you the confirmed address to, to ship to, and that's the only address you should ship to. That's the only person you should ship to. And if anyone asks you to ship to someone else or to a different address, that's a warning sign. And as a seller, you should never do that. I see. So you really can't send a gift to somebody else. Uh, if it's a gift, then you need to receive it yourself, and you need to reship it to the person you want to have it. You should never ask a seller to uh, send a gift for you. Right. And then you said to be aware of buyers who send more money than the amount due. That's a biggie, uh, too. That, that's a very common scam uh, on and off of eBay. It's called an overpayment scam. Uh, it works like this. Um, you might sell a uh, plasma TV on eBay and the value might be $1,500. Well, uh, someone in Nigeria buys it, and they say they're going to send their shipper to pick it up, and they're going to overnight you a check. So a day or two later, you receive a check for $15,000 instead of $1,500. Well, now this person contacts you and says, oh, it was a mistake by my secretary. I've got to have the money back. Please wire it back immediately. So the person that uh, is dealing with them thinks they're doing the right thing by sending the money back. Problem is, after they deposit that cashier's check, uh, two, three weeks later, it comes back as counterfeit. Now this person has a negative $15,000 balance in their account. Right. So, no one's ever going to accidentally overpay you by more than a few cents right, for a right, purchase. Right, exactly. And then you said beware of any buyer who suddenly changes his email address. What is that all about? That's another very clear sign of a scammer. Anyone who changes PayPal addresses, anyone who says they're having trouble with their PayPal address, anyone who uh, changes their email address, and especially anyone who changes their name. Uh, they will actually, scammers are usually scamming several people at once, and they'll become confused about who they are. So they may win an auction under the name Mary, and then uh, a day later you receive an email from John something at Yahoo uh, saying, oh, yeah, I won this auction, and uh, uh, just let me know where to send the cashier's check. And of course, they're going to send a counterfeit cashier's check because they don't know what their name is. So that's a clear warning sign. Many, of these, many times these scammers will set up uh, fake email accounts, and then they'll be reported, and that account's disabled. So they have to set up a new account. And that, that's, where you, that's why you're looking for a change in an email address. Normally, people don't change email addresses. I've used the same email addresses for the past seven or eight years, so it's very unusual for someone to change an email address, especially when you have a Gmail or a Yahoo account. Lloyd says that we're almost out of time. How about if you just give us the important links to your website? And, and also there's a free toolbar to protect eBay and PayPal accounts. So why don't right. you give those three uh, websites for our, our listeners? Uh, we talked about the phishing emails that lead to lookalike websites, and you can protect yourself from those by using the My Little Mole toolbar at mylittlemole.com. That's M-Y-L-I-T-T-L-E-M-O-L-E.com. Okay. That's right. And that's a free toolbar. It also has some great search features, and it will protect you from not only eBay and PayPal uh, scam sites, but it will protect you from many thousands of other fraudulent websites. And you can find a lot more information at my website, auctionsafety.org. There's a free course there that explains how to use eBay safely. And you can also find a lot of other, you can find all my other software, including the My Little Mole toolbar there. 
and uh, a lot more information, and that also links to my books at Don't Bid On It and scamsandscoundrels.com. Well, I'll tell you, I really enjoyed Scams and Scoundrels, and it really is very well written, very easy to use, and I sure appreciate all that you're doing, and I think I'm going to do something on eBay real soon. Well, I hope so, because I enjoy using it, and I really want—I don't, I don't want to discourage people from using it. I want to encourage people to use it, but I want them to use it the right way and the safe way. That's right. Well, thank you for sharing all this great news about how to be safe on the Internet with scams and scoundrels. Protect yourself from the dark side of eBay. Thank you, Michael, for joining us. Michael Ford, you're wonderful, and we appreciate it, and we, we're going to tell other people to read your book. All right. Well, that sounds great. I was glad to be here. Well, thank you, and good night. All right. All right. Good night. Bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank, your host. Please join me every week from 5 to 6 p.m. right here on Wednesday nights. And also visit our website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy where you can see our upcoming guests. You can listen to our archived interviews. You could download podcasts and you can write us emails about what you want to know about with privacy. So protect yourself and stay private. Good night. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. Mari Frank, host of Privacy Piracy, which airs every Wednesday from 5 to 6 p.m. right here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm also so privileged to be able to present the weekly segment of Orange County Sheriff News and Safety Tips. And tonight we are so thrilled to be able to speak with Sergeant William Snaith with the Harbor Patrol Division of the Orange County Sheriff's Department. He's been in law enforcement for 28 years. Welcome, Bill. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Mari. Thank you very much for having me on your show. Whether you rent a boat or it could be a sailboat or a duffy or whether you own a boat, the harbors are fun for everybody in Orange County. But what are some important safety tips for all of us to remember when we're out there boating? The first thing I recommend is have your boat checked by a trusted mechanic before you ever put it in the water at the beginning of the season. I also recommend that whenever you're out on your boat, have a means to give us a call if you run into an emergency situation. I recommend you have a VHF radio on board, and just know that we monitor Channel 16 24 hours a day, every day. Cell phones will work, but sometimes they really don't work offshore. If your phone is working, however, you can call 911, or you can reach the Harbor Patrol emergency line at 949-723-1000. Another very important thing is to make sure you have a proper fitting life vest for every person on board your boat and also have a throwable life-saving device as well. Make sure you have an anchor, the proper amount of anchor chain and line, and make sure your anchor is secured to your boat. I know there's so many more tips. Can you just give us a couple more and also tell us where we can get the ABCs of boating? Absolutely. One of the other things I would recommend is make sure you have a compass and understand how to use your compass. I think it's important to also consider even having a GPS unit on your boat with coastal chart information. Always have a supply of food and water on board, 
as well as marine flares or some type of emergency signaling device. For more safety-related information, I recommend you visit our website at www.ocsd.org. Click on OCSD Patrol Areas and then click on the Harbor Patrol icon. This will give you links to weather information that we update three times a day or as major changes occur. And it will also link you to the California Department of Boating and Waterways for the ABCs of Boating and a Boating Safety course. If any of your listeners have any general boating questions, feel free to have them give us a call at the Orange County Sheriff's Department Harbor Patrol at 949-723-1002. Thank you so much, Bill. You're such a help. We really appreciate the Harbor Patrol ourselves. So thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on your show. 